Hello, and welcome to Looks Unfamiliar, the show that remembers that when it came to 1990, now that's why I call music confusingly released Now Dance 90, Now Dance 91, and Now Dance 92. I wonder how you list them on eBay. I'm Tim Worthington, and joining me today to talk about, well, it's not something that's completely forgotten, but maybe it's forgotten in its original form. Anyway, we'll explain what it is in a minute, but joining me today is writer, quizmaster, podcaster, and just about everything under the sun, really, including being under the sun, Ben Baker. Ben! What are you up to? Where can we find it? I have just written a book in between podcasting with Phil Catterall, previous uh, looks unfamiliar extra guest on Don't Let's Chat. I've written a book called Christmas Was Better in the 80s, and it's kind of a love letter to the last decade where really festive television got a mass audience, where everyone would be stuck around the same telly watching the same programmes, and therefore you would find yourself watching, at various times, Only Fools and Horses, or Battle of the Monster Trucks. Uh, <laughs> I, that, I've read the book and that is real, everyone. Mr. T's Christmas Dream, that's in there. That is a <laughs> baffling hour of television. <laughs> and there's like the first annual Stuntman Awards. You know, that sort of filler you'd get about December 28th. You know, I've tried to cover all bases Hang on, of is uh, that an annual Stuntman that just does one stunt a year? <laughs> well, I tell you, if you had to guess who would present... And co-produce something called the first Stuntman Awards. Who do you think it would be in the mid-80s? I'm going to go for David Frost. Oh, see, he would be brilliant because he did that kind of transatlantic rubbish. Yeah. It was Lee Majors, TV's well, he was the guy. Stuntman. Yeah, who made Eastwood look so fine. Because we all watched Sudden Impact and went... Eastwood's looking a bit fine this week, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, so my book is basically all bases of Christmas. Go on BenBakerBooks.org uh, to get it on uh, Amazon. You can get it on Kindle and stuff. And I hope people enjoy it because I think kind of a little bit inspired by Looks Unfamiliar, that kind of mix of... We all remember the big hits, but we also remember the other stuff when we were bored, senseless, and, more importantly, when we'd had our sort of maximum 3,000 players of the album we're about to talk about. Well, yeah, it's bringing me into it neatly that you mentioned that the book is based around, you know, when there was limited choice and you all had to watch the same things on TV, whether it was any good or not. And once upon a time, there was just this album when it came to Christmas. But let's just hear a bit, well, let's just hear the opening and the opening track. And we'll take it from there. Christmas time There's no need to be afraid At Christmas time We let in light And we vanish it And in our world Of plenty We can spread a smile of joy For your arms around the world At Christmas time Okay, no mistaking that, Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas, which is the first track on Now the Christmas album from 1985, often mistaken as the first Now spin-off that was actually Now Dance earlier in 1985, and it's followed by the baffling Now the Summer album, which we may mention in passing, but I'm interested to know, Ben, because when I first heard this, it was at, I mean, I knew it was out, I didn't have a copy, I got one a bit later, I think, when it was, it was reduced in the sales by about April, so like, yeah. Negligible amount. But I remember thinking, core, that looks great. 
And the weird thing about it was that you look at it now, it's a mix of a lot of what was then quite contemporary stuff, but also stuff that I didn't really remember, but took me like back to what I first remembered at Christmas in, you know, in the late 70s in our old house with the Tinsel Woolworths Christmas tree and the dreadful decorations, including the clowns on the Christmas tree, which we talked about in the Looks Unfamiliar Christmas Extra a while back. It's odd because those songs, you know, the Slade and Wizards and so on, I'm too young to remember, but they did kind of remind me of that. And what I'm wondering is whether the later ones, because you're a couple of years younger than me, had the same effect on you when you first heard this. Well, see, I do remember this album, and again, it wasn't our copy. I think it was a friend of my Uncle Simon's. Now, my dad, my grandma remarried, which is a, in the 60s, you didn't do that. Shocking. So he's got two quite younger siblings as a result. They were about 15 years younger. So I always kind of looked up to them. They were quite cool and stuff. Looking back, cool was them spending all Sunday typing in a program from your Sinclair. <laughs> For That's it quite cool over. now, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose there's a lot of things, but, you know, to me they were cool, to other people they might have been a bit, you know, <laughs> you know and taping the favourite songs we play and record off the uh, Top 40. I think it was one of my Uncle Simon's friends had it, and it was, as you say, the first time, really, all these things had been put together, into point that, no, the Christmas album really is sort of a touchstone for well yeah they're the obvious ones not everything except one which we'll we'll no doubt get to well yeah because i don't remember genuinely before this album came out you know don't get me wrong christmas singles were a thing when they were a hit i don't think they really came round in rotation as much at christmas as they did after this album came out because suddenly they were all there in one place and i was trying to think what's not on here and I couldn't really come up with anything. I mean, I could quibble about, apart from Little Saint Nick by the Beach Boys, there's not much in the 60s. And there were a couple of 60s Christmas hits, but they'd sort of been forgotten by then. The only things yeah. I could think of were December Will Be Magic Again by Kate Bush. It's an odd omission when you think what a big sort of bankroll she was at the time. And that hadn't been on an album, so that would have been quite a draw. Yeah, not a big hit, but obviously it's become synonymous. I yeah. mean, one of the songs, uh, weirdly, which everyone seems to know now, but I didn't hear until my probably my early 20s is the kinks father christmas yes which would have been perfect on this no no because it definitely fits in that kind of you know rabble rousing slade and wizard that kind of you know rough kids christmas well yeah because the only other one i could think of really was a merry jingle by the greedies which you don't really hear that often which is thin lizzy and the sex pistols but to be honest with you i think the sex pistols were even though that was owned by virgin records so it could easily be on here i think there was still a bit taboo by then and they wouldn't have been yeah. on an album like this because genuinely you didn't hear the Sex Pistols I know they're all over classic rock radio now but I remember I mean one of my sisters apparently had Nevermind the Bollocks and it was very quickly confiscated and destroyed destroyed? Gen- genuinely <laughs> like my copy of the Uncanny X-Men with Guess Who Came Down the Chimney was taken away and disposed of apparently that was as well I didn't hear the Sex Pistols so yet I remember trying to work out what God Save the Queen might have sounded like because it was referenced everywhere and you never heard it so that wouldn't have been on here yeah you can't really sort of you can't invent punk in your head (laughs) unless you've got the basic (laughs) like 
tools. You know it's going to have like loud guitars and Somebody snotty going vocals. Bastard. So maybe, you know, like the Sex Pistols were too cool for a now. Well, you know, there are some quite uncool people on here. I was going to bring this up later. I'm going to get it out of the way now. There is one song I hate on here. I absolutely detest. Can you guess what it is? Is it Shaky? No, I Actually, don't Actually, no, mind. it's Chris, it's Chris Berg, Blue isn't Christmas it? Christmas by Shaky. Yeah, it is Chris Berg. It's Chris Berg, isn't it? I just suddenly thought, what is the anti-Tim song? <laughs> <laughs> it's Overlong Sword and Sorcery bollocks it sounds like the electric <laughs> blue theme tune i've heard i don't know people yeah, tell allegedly. me it sounds like i've allegedly. never seen an electric blue video in my life honest but it's it's just awful i don't understand what he was doing on it it's not even got that much to do with christmas a spaceman came traveling what so captain zepp came down at christmas that's <laughs> just roughly contemporaneous to captain zepp so well that's it this is the weird thing by this being on the compilation, it still hadn't been re-released to become a hit. It was still an obscurity at this point, was it? I don't know if it got much radio played. It felt like they dragged this one properly from the archives, which probably explains why it's mid-album. Well, my recollection is that prior to The Lady in Red, Chris DeBerg was kind of what sensible older brothers and your Mr. Kennedy-style art teacher who thought they were a bit trendy liked. Ah, serious singer-songwriter. Inoffensive singer-songwriter with a bit of a... Yeah, well, I'll be fair to it. A bit of depth to what he did, especially very early on. Sometimes did unusual songs. Not to my taste at all. I mean, The Lady in Red is unforgivable. But yeah, yeah, you are right. It wasn't that well-known. And I think it was the least well-known thing on here by some distance. Although, ironically, as you mentioned, Blue Christmas by Shaken Stevens, the Elvis cover, has been forgotten since because it's just been overshadowed Mm. by Merry Christmas, everyone, which would have been on here, but I'm going to let you tell the story of that. Well, yeah, I suppose if it had come out when it originally was planned in uh, December 84, it would have been absolutely prime here, but it's a very interesting decision to go, right, lads, we've got this big Christmas single. Nothing's going to stop. What? What? Charity single? What? (laughs) Starring everybody? (laughs) And and all the money's going to Ethiopia. Oh, just cross that four out about a five in. And obviously, yeah, so it got bumped on a year. I would like the idea that Shaky knew for an entire year that he had a banger. Because, you know, for better or worse, I'm not a big Shaky fan, even though, gosh, I've got all of his records. <laughs> but there is a good spirit. There's a good... It's fun. It's a, there's a lot yeah. of, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun record. It, it would be... Pride of Place, sort of side A, definitely, yeah. I suppose they could have had it, but I'm guessing, obviously, they wanted people to buy the single instead, you know, which... I suspect, as well, this album was probably prepped over the summer because they knew they'd shift a lot of copies of it. No, it was probably sitting in warehouses months beforehand. And that's the thing about, as our good friend Daryl McLean has pointed out, this was kind of the start of people getting sick of Christmas songs. As everyone bought this, and it's played non-stop, and then just sick yeah. of them after that. And um, that's I don't when was actually the episode of Radioactive, which we've got to talk about with Thank Christ it isn't Christmas every day. It's the first example of Phil Pope writing an anti Christmas song, which he's only done about fifty four million of since then. Well obviously that's Christmas Turkey, which is I think it's between series two and three, isn't it? Oh actually it does mention Orville's song in it, so it can't be far off this. No, I think it might be because uh, that's Christmas eighty two. Well, I might put Thank Christ it isn't Christmas every day at the end of the show, but it's worth pointing out the thing that's always just fascinated both of us about it is 
It's got these incredibly sharp lyrics, you know, putting down Roy Ward and Mud and, you know, yeah. everyone else. But there's a bit where it says, that crisis and Christmas every day, skip Roland Rat alive and shout <laughs> hooray. <laughs> now, the first problem with that is Roland Rat did not do a Christmas single, ever. And the second no. thing is, if you skim Roland Rat alive, what have you got? You've got David Claridge's hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that is that is fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we, we've also got a lot of fascination with Phil Pope, who obviously was the man who wrote said song. He has written a few anti-Christmas songs, which we love, mainly for Spitting Image. Obviously, uh, Santa Claus is on the dole, and the Christmas singles. Well, that's, see, something I thought about this was, what's interesting, really, about this album is, it set the template for every Christmas compilation since, but it in itself, it's kind of like a relic. You kind of, you look at it, and you miss the simplicity, you know, where everything is eight discs now. And this is two sides of vinyl with, I think, 18 tracks in total. They're crammed on as well, if you look at the vinyl. But that's it. It is sad, though, that they've all just focused around this. And my first thought was, why didn't they do not just updated versions of this album, but updated the Christmas album, where I mean, my yeah. next thought was, a couple of years later, you could have had one with Santa Claus is on the dole on, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. I'm serious oh, there. Yes. I'm not joking. Think of how no. well I was born on Christmas Day by St. Etienne would be known if it had been yeah. on a later now album. But that just disappeared. I mean, to be fair, we would have had to have Merry Xmas by Rotterdam Termination Source. <laughs> and no, I would quite like people to continue listening to music and not just like writhe around on the floor with foam coming out of their mouths. <laughs> Don't, don't. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it quite odd that they've never deviated from this? And yet, in its original form, for a couple of reasons, this hasn't been available since it was first out. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one reason. Let's get it out of the way. There's a song on here which... I don't even know if I want to say what it's called or who it was by. I mean, I would compare it to a couple of years ago when we did... I think it was was it when we did why won't you or was it one of the earlier up things we did but at the end of one of them for a joke we put this song i would not do that now no no I, uh, yeah it's... i'm not berating our younger selves for no that. no <laughs> i'm I, not I, no platforming what, I, me I, in I, retrospect it just it felt right as a joke then and it doesn't now yeah yeah, yeah. The, the the entire environment has changed I tell you what to make it a little less obvious i'll swap his first Initial any second initial around. <laughs> so, uh, so another rock and roll Christmas, which would have been very very new at that point. Yes, like, that's yeah, de- yeah. that's December eighty four, and that was a big hit. What I love about not that song in particular, but now the Christmas album is you know how old a copy is as to whether it's on there or not. And I was shopping last year, and they were playing this version, you know, Knock Another Rock and Roll Christmas. And I thought, <laughs> you really need to update. But a couple of other songs have disappeared <laughs> due to rights reasons, because I think they've ended up on other compilations. But the, the Queen one, thank God it's Christmas, which you don't hear that often. 
And for a Queen song I quite like. I'm, I'm famously not fussed on Queen. That's a toned down version of it, but it's better we don't get into trouble with this. But I don't I don't object to that at all. <laughs> That's gone. Greg Lake has disappeared a couple of times from it. I think Jod and Yoko have disappeared from some iterations of it as well. It's interesting, actually, because I believe in Father Christmas is one of those that really dipped out of fashion for a long time. And I didn't hear it anywhere, it really and I've started did. hearing yeah. it again in the last sort of five years on the radio. And I don't know if it's because we've decided that it's okay to like Emerson, Lake and Palmer now. Or... Well, part of the problem is that fucking Jim Davidson kept going on about them all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Did not True. help. And I think he probably had him I'm on. Sure if there was ever an endorsement, you didn't want it to be him. Well, yeah, that's it. I think he probably would have had him on the Generation game or something to play it. Go do your song. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, sus- I suspect it sort of it dipped out of rotation, and it came back with "You like this?" And if there's anything <laughs> that will get people not interested in the song, it's people saying, "Oh yeah, no, let's listen to it again." Like the Whamageddon thing, which is always happening yeah. now. So I have a friend who was like, "I actively love that song. I will listen to that because it makes me feel Christmassy and warm and that." And it's like, cool. I enjoy it because it's a fun. It's just a bit. Of da- it's a daft game, you know. Yeah. I play it. But it is fair enough that, as Wham songs go, that is bottom half, easily. Yes. It's very repetitious, you know. And also, you never hear everything she wants. <laughs> Which, again, I'm not fussed on Wham, but I like everything yeah, she no, wants. Yeah, no, it's a good song. It's, it's, it's good. It's a weird one. Because, again, I think I enjoy the Whamageddon thing because people kept saying, especially when George Michael died, you love that, you know, you love what... And it's like... It's fine, but he's written lots of better songs. And it's not even his first appearance on this compilation, because obviously he's part of Band-Aid. I look at what returns to the top 40 every year, because at the moment, as we're recording this, if you look at the top 40, I reckon there's about 15 Christmas songs in there. And it's always Wham! and Mariah Carey that do the best. And the Pogues. Because they've be kind of been allowed. They're allowed. You know, we've always talked about, oh, there's classic pop classics. Like the stuff which is on top of the pops, which is the repeats on BBC4, where we go, yeah, great, we've heard it a thousand times. Yeah. I like it because it's got all the other stuff on it. It's got the hair metal yeah. and it's got the mad soul songs you've forgotten about and R&B you couldn't do because the sampling would cost a million quid now. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's a fascinating, it's always a time capsule. And I suppose that's what now yeah. the, the Christmas album is as well. Because I, I suppose he does, even though the songs are all from sort of what's the earliest one in here, sort of the Beach Boys. Well, no, no, the earliest we're going to come uh, back to right at the end. Don't worry, I'm okay. saving that. It's weird how these songs hold together because they don't. Yeah, I've just no. thought of another one that's not here Bing and Bowie. Yes, yeah, I wonder what the situation was there. And yet, you've got on here. I'm going to come out on a limb and say this probably wasn't very well known before this album came out. Step Into Christmas by Elson John. Contrary to popular belief, was not a big hit no, when it no, came it out. No, no, it wasn't. It's and, always you know, I'm fascinated sure since with then, that. He's probably done several thousand Christmas singles where he just goes, Christmas, with the same oh, tune, every time, which I've never oh. heard and I don't want to hear. But this is, this is fantastic. Is. And I'd love to think that this album is responsible for it being well-known now. Because, yeah. you know... 
Let's not forget, Elson John was still... I know he was already on the way to becoming a megastar by the time this came out, but he was still from that John Peel sort Yeah, of, he's still, again, you know, late still serious kind of song work. And the B-side. Nobody's ever heard the B-side of Stepping to Christmas, which is the weirdest thing ever. It's almost like a Bowie <laughs> pastiche about a turkey trying to escape before Father yeah. Christmas The bearded weirdies just arrived. <laughs> Oh, 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 who'd be a turkey at Christmas? You might think that's bad exaggerating. That is basically no, what it is. clipping, honestly. I, I've never actually thought about it until you've said just then, though. Yeah, of course, it's a Bowie pastiche, isn't it? But I'd say there's kind of two phases, largely. Honestly. I mean, there's a couple of tracks before that, so I did, like, Johnny Mathis, which I've probably got nothing to say about. That might be the only mention of him in the whole thing. But you've got the, the glam rock and prog stuff, which I am bracketing together for this reason, right. which is, you know, Naughty Holders on record are saying it was a time of, you know, a lot of industrial unrest, a lot of austerity, and they just thought, fuck it, let's give people a bit of a reason to smile. Yeah, it's a knees a up. Days, it's Christmas. So they all do that. There's death. Um, there's Wizard, there's Mud, there's Mike Oldfield, Greg Lake, obviously, as we say. But then in the early 80s, prior to Band Aid, you know, well, I know Wham were contemporaneous to it, but you know, you've got Stop the Cavalry. What else have we got on here? Christopher. Can I tell you my uh, Stop the Cavalry story? It's only a short one. Why is everyone apart from me got a Stop the Cavalry story? It's genuinely. <laughs> it's not such a story as a small anecdote, but my dad, for some reason, the video was on television, and my dad went, I don't know why they only play it at Christmas. It's not It's not like it's a Christmas song. And at that point, he sang, Wish I was at home for Christmas. And he went, Oh, is that what he says? <laughs> He never picked up on it, why it was a Christmas song. Now, I suppose you can't not hear it as a Christmas song because it's playing at Christmas and that's it. And... But why do you think they started again in, not in earnest, although some of them were quite earnest, but in the early 80s? I can't figure it out. Was it just ka-ching? Was it well, money? Dude, this but... is it. I, I, definitely that in part. But also, I think you've got interesting stuff like Stop the Cavalry. He's obviously he's on <laughs> stiff records, you know. It's it's an in Yes. So yeah. it's quite cool, you know. And it, it still is quite cool. I would say it definitely is in there, you know, with you. It's okay to like these ones, which, you know, I have no truck with whatsoever. But you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. always the enemy-approved list type Christmas tunes. Yeah. And also... And it's one I've, I don't think I've ever heard a cover version of. There no. must be one, but... That, I think you're There'll right. There'll be an arsey <laughs> Radio 2 live lounge sad guitar version by some git, but <laughs> I haven't heard it. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, though, that there is that kind of, like, the ones you're allowed to like now, where for years people were just, I hate all Christmas records, yeah. which included... I will argue with people about... I will fight people about this. There was a long time before Fairytale New York was accepted. And it appears to be not accepted again now for a different reason, but it was kind of... This is my recollection of it. It appealed to the the weird kids in school. And I remember one of my sisters saying she'd heard it about two weeks before I did. Mm. It wasn't everywhere. I know it turned up on the Now album that Christmas, but that's, you know, you always got outliers on those. But it wasn't a thing for quite a long time. No, no, not at all. I only really recall it being sort of turn of the century 
and obviously, you know, when yes, uh, Kirsten yeah. called tragic death, really, it was suddenly became yeah. more poignant. And then obviously it got yeah. re-released in, I think it was 2005, where it was officially for the Justice mm. for Kirsty campaign. And then since then, it's just yeah. always recharted. Well, I think the best sort of barometer of that is in the show with Phil that was out earlier this week, that we mentioned Lee and Herring playing it on my Radio 1 show. Yeah. They would not have played that five years later. No, no. That would have been completely off their radar, and yet it was a Lee and Herring record. At yeah, that point. it was. It was definitely not a daytime tune, and you know, unfortunately, no. I, I, I don't care for the song anymore. Partly over overuse, partly because of the vile things that Shane McGowan said at the time about the yeah. Patcher Boys and everything. And you know, it was like, yeah, I'm not. But I, I don't. I'm going to be careful. I'll say this. I don't agree with the centering of it for radio now, purely because I think play it or don't. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I, absolutely. You know, I, 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 if they don't play it. That's fine by me. I'm not going to argue oh, with that, but yeah. I don't like retroactive tampering at all. Oh, yeah, no, really. the, the, it's it, it's a vile word, but mm. obviously the argument has always been they are not nice people who are singing it. The characters they are yeah. playing are drunk heroin addicts, near death, reminiscing about coming to New York with big dreams. Yeah, there's there's always justification for it, but likewise, if yeah, if you don't hear it again. There really isn't as as you say, Blue Christmas, not not really fond of that. I don't mind a space I came travelling it because I don't really listen to Radio Two, which is the only place you're gonna hear it now. Little Saint Nick's great, but obviously the unearthed loads of songs, didn't they, in the early two thousands, like all these Beach Boys Christmas tunes. And this is Song yeah. of Winter Symphony, uh, which is incredible. And it's like, why wasn't that a single? That's some, like, early 70s, isn't it? And also, Pet Sounds and Smile, while not mentioning Christmas at all, are basically Christmas albums, which brings me around to something I've just realised. There's nothing from A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector on here. No, that's a good point. I, I assumed they were trying to keep that as That's its, baffling. As its own Although, thing. maybe, weren't the rights that owned by Alan Klein at that point? Uh, well, they still so be, might have yeah, asked for £87 yeah. million. Pounds. Yeah. I've just noticed, looking at the back of the album, I'd never noticed this before. It makes it clear that, you know, uh, proceeds from Do They Know It's Christmas and Last Christmas, everyone forgets this, went to band Yes, of course, yeah. But lower down it says, a donation for the proceeds of the sale of this record we made to the NSPCC. Now, who said, I don't want my revenue going to band I want it to go to the NSPCC. Mm. Who? Don't. I know what you're going to say. No, no, I wasn't. I promise. I promise. No, I was genuinely (laughs) thinking. But then I realised, yeah, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I'd not pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't talked about the most Christmassy, least Christmassy song ever recorded. Well, I was just about to come on to that because, yeah, side one has Dinners himself, Paul McCartney with Wonderful Christmas That's what I was thinking of. And side two opens with John and Yoko and the Plastic Oddo Band, as they have to call <laughs> Happy Christmas Brackets War Is and Over. And the Harlem Community Choir. Now, we could do a smackdown over which is best, but I think we're both firmly on the same side. Here. Yes, I know. I'm ne- I'm never been a big Lennon fan, although I do... Uh, I've always found them whispering Happy Christmas, Kyoko, Happy Christmas, Julian, really very touching. But it's worth me pointing out, on one of our old websites, we did a Beatles week, and we did a poll for Best Beatle, and John Lennon came seventh. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. He did. he did. It's a weird one, I suppose, because people might have been a bit Lennoned out at this point, because in 80, obviously, when he, when he was killed... 
you know, the charts were yeah. immediately. It just had just like starting over was dropping down the chart, and that so that yeah. was the only thing about. And kind of by the end, you've got Happy Christmas War is over reissued. You know, that's in the top ten, and so it was kind of pushed back into the you know the narrative, I suppose. Obviously, as well, they could have picked John Lennon's other Christmas single. <laughs> Paul McCartney ebbs in and out of fashion, obviously constantly. Mm. Which is, you know, obviously Lennon retains his cool because he died, you know. There's the, he's always going to be respected more until Paul goes and then he'll get his, uh, yeah. you know, re-evaluation. But wonderful Christmas time. It is so Christmassy because I associate it with Christmas. Mm. But you strip it down to its bare essentials and it is, is it like eight overlaid synths and... I mean, it's all Paul. It's all Paul on his own. And I'm going to be very careful for legal reasons how I say this. There's a lot of reverb on yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You've got to imagine as well that that's Paul McCartney coming out of a decade of wings. Undervalued wings, definitely, for the weirdness of them because of the pop singles. It upsets me that Bull of Kintyre really is, you know, let's be grateful that <laughs> isn't on here. You know, there's there's only one more love I'm interested in, and it's Timperley. I'm going to be a little bit profound here, though, about the Lennon and McCartney singles, which is in some ways... I'm not drawing a strict sort of chronological and cultural line here, but Merry Christmas War is Over was kind of the end of that phase of Lennon. Mm. And then he had his, you know, his lost years, and obviously he was just starting to make a proper comeback just when he died. I believe they're known as the delicious but... heroin years, alleged, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> Wonderful Christmas time is kind of the start of 80s McCartney, mm. where, as far as I'm concerned, people can sneer at it. It's where he manages somehow, he doesn't always get it right, but to blend his tendency toward weirdness and oddness for the sake of it with big kind of crowd-pleasing stadium clap-along tunes. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the 80s, you know, let's be honest, it's like such an odd decade for him. I mean, you forget Ebony and Ivory was in there, Tug of War, Pipes of Peace, and, and then we all stand together. This one, which is a bloody weird scene. Yeah, all of those are different, completely different. And then Spies Like Us, which is shit. But, uh... Hey! No! You get off my podcast now! I see no press. Press is the... Mm, Yes, press, press is, is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a long ago, look at that. Oh, my, my brave face with Elvis Costello. I love my brave face. You know, he's like, bugger it, I'll try it. It's only in the 90s he kind of, I feel he lost his way a bit. Have you ever seen that? Omnibus about making flowers in the dirt, though. Uh, no, I haven't. There's a bit, there's a bit missing from a lot of the versions of circulating. It is on one of the encodes on YouTube. I remember watching it when it went out. There's a bit of him tuning up at rehearsals. I start plucking his bass. He goes, ding, 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 ding. Now then, now then, now oh. then. I was about that. Then I was about that. <laughs> Genuinely. Oh wow. But I think in conclusion, we think Wonderful Christmas Time is better because it sounds like Christmas as our I, you know, always think of it. It sounds like tinsel. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like office parties carousing modern about. Modern Christmas. I suppose, and yeah, it's, Christmas it's the modern is over, Christmas. I appreciate its message, but it's kind of, you know, it's not something, so this is Christmas, and what have you done? Mm. You know, it's proper sack of ashes stuff, that. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, that's a really good point, actually. It's quite modern, whereas a lot of Christmas songs, obviously, remember the old times around the fire uh, where Grandad, <laughs> uh, you know, told us all about the time he fell down a well and stuff, you know. It's, 
<laughs> that Victoriana Christmas, which obviously, you know, pervades so much these days and has done for years, to be fair, you know, like, you know, obviously we, we got that impression of that's what Christmas is. Well, yeah, exactly. 10 million points to dinners with wonderful Christmas time and zero to Lennon with just one Cornetta. <laughs> <laughs> it is! It is one, just one Cornetta. Not Osola Mio, it is just one Cornetta. <laughs> but I'm wondering how many points you're going to give to the very last song on this album. What would you like on that Cornetta? <laughs> Heroin! To... Oh, John! <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Can I do my link? Sorry. I'm, gonna, Sorry. I'm wondering how many points you will give to the very last song on this album. You would describe this as people say to you, you like this, and when you get older you think, no, I don't actually. White Christmas. Yeah. White Christmas exists purely for people in quizzes who don't like being quizmasters to go, and uh, what film did the, uh, the song White Christmas first appear? Because obviously it's holding in, it's not White Christmas. Or someone might say, hey, and he recorded it, and it was 500 degrees, <laughs> and we were all in a big sand dune eating ice cream, and they turned around and went, yeah, it is the, I think when I say about modern and old sound, I think this is a big thing that people go, oh, that's what we have to do. And it's like, please don't. The only good thing about it is, it's in the goodies book of criminal records, <laughs> where it's got a list of people that they need to send Christmas cards to. While you're reading it, you realise it's the lyrics of White Christmas just as people's Oh, names. yeah! <laughs> Mayor Daisby and two ears later. <laughs> yeah, because it starts off like Emma dreaming half a white Christmas. Again, as well, I think it also reminds me of, and this kind of comes back to the book really, it's like you would get your seasons of old films and some of them would be brilliant. Like the 80s ones, you know, you, you find some... That are like dedicated to like David Lean stuff like that are, uh, yeah. but you get like uh, of course McLean. the late night Michael K mini season when you know I get so excited when you know you'd see the Ipcrest yeah. file the bottom of the listing of radio times said Michael Caine appears in Pulp on Tuesday yes! like, yeah yeah exactly and that that would be when you be pre video you know you would get to yeah. see your big films and obviously it'd be like a mix between yeah you know, as you said like the, the uh, Clint Eastwood season and then. Big Crosby. I think the time of ghettoizing stuff is gone, unless it's albums like this. I was in Morrison's the other week, and it's not this anymore, but it is very much a similar album. There is a Now Christmas album. With hundreds of discs. Yeah, well, that's just it. Now, that's it. I think it had about four discs or something like that. And uh, maybe five. And it's like, for as much as I don't like two or three of those songs... Having an hour's worth of proper bangers is worth its weight in gold. Well, it's exactly like with the first couple of Now Dance albums. You know, some of the tracks on there aren't very good because they're clubland hits of the day. But it's fascinating, the snapshot, you know, this small double album. And also Now the Summer album, which is the follow-up to this, which bombed. Where it was really? <laughs> just the weirdest collection of songs ever, but to have all those records in one place, even though they really don't hang together on that. Now you get, you know, 10,000% Summer, which again has got, you know, 84 discs. Well, in it. It, this, these are forgotten 80s and forgotten 90s ones. And of course, I mean, we love pop music, so we are talking about this, and we obviously do know the songs on there. But I reckon 
every bugger knows her songs. You know, it's like, you know, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to tap into a nostalgia market. But by our offering, f- I can't bring it up now, uh, but it was like something like you would get a track listener and have stilt skin next to like Living Joy or something like that or Clock next to Terrorvision or something like that. It's like there's nothing wrong with the individual songs. Indeed, I bloody love Terrorvision. But only a madman would want to listen to this in this order. <laughs> I take your point entirely, but can I just point out that you've just come on this to try and contrive a narrative where the original Now the Christmas album is forgotten. You've kind of exposed us like on Hey Chris, isn't that what we do in the Chris Morris music show? Excuse me, what's the title of the programme? The Chris Morris exactly, music yes. show. Exactly, <laughs> And that's where my argument falls down. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you will be working on Christmas Day, won't you, Tim? You're wrong, you're, really. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I will say one thing. It's that of the songs on this album, there's not any novelty songs. There's Damn. really not. I mean, there's a few that, you know, tip into a little bit of, like, noveltyness. But, you know, let's be honest, there's no goodies. No, uh, no. But likewise, there's no proper crimbo. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> just point out it was about 20 years before. Um, you know what I mean. I'm just trying to think of... Well, what, what was a contemporaneously bad Christmas song from then? There was nothing as bad as proper crimbo. Yeah, to be fair, all those diminishing returns of the snowmen songs. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've listened to the award knowing Dollar's Child <laughs> starring me and the other one. I always try and do a bit of a quiz. I've just been looking at the Christmas 1985 chart. <laughs> can I, can I uh, ask... Well, I am. I'm going to ask if you've heard of any of these. There are some Christmas songs which obviously, amazingly, they could have fit in, but they didn't, and I don't understand why. <laughs> For example, number 97, Let's Go to the Disco. Do you know who that was? Oh, oh, I know this. Who who was it? Go on. It was the follow-up to All Night Holiday. Yes! Russ Abbott, yes! At 97! So near to Christmas. Although it's just brackets 1985, just in case you didn't know. What? I, d- I, d- I have no idea what Apparently this Alvin is. Alvin Stardust, okay. 87. So he was near to Christmas. Oh, blimey, it's Christmas. Well, obviously that should have been number yeah. one. 85, again, by Jimmy Tarbuck. See, if there's ever something no one's going to say whilst listening to a Jimmy Tarbuck record, it's again. <laughs> Number 77, Thank You Very Much, Mr. Eastwood. Brilliant by Dermot Morgan. Is Frank Kelly also in the chart? That was a year the 12 before, days of I believe. Oh. I think that was 84. <laughs> it's, uh, Am I still on that feckin' chart? This uh, Mated by David Grant and Jackie Graham. <laughs> That's not a Christmas No, single. no. Merry Christmas, everybody. Slade, 48. Uh, I'm glad Billy Bragg decided that Christmas week was the week to bring out Days Like These as a single. That's the hit! <laughs> was it about Days Like These, the sitcom? <laughs> was yeah. that terrible theme song from it? Uh, and, and the last one they is... They had to keep moving his singles around the charts to give the other records <laughs> yeah. a chance. And of course, the John Anderson big band with their Glenn Miller medley. Sadly, none of them no. made it in the top ten. So, it's an interesting top ten. What do you reckon you remember from it? What, me trying... Yeah, you try and guess, guess the, top the top ten, 10. for okay. Christmas week 85. Right, okay, well, I've got one for starters, because Shaking Stevens was number yes. one. Band-Aid was reissued, it was. Uh, so I that think was a... that would have been in Yeah, there. number three. I think Last Christmas was reissued. Yeah, it was at number six. Walking in the Air, did that get in the top Yes, 10? it did, at number five. Okay, oh, West End Girls. Yeah, number four, on its way up to the top right, spot. Right, so I've got five. 
let me think. What was out around then? Oh, um, saving all my love for you with uh, Houston yeah. was big around then. I think that must have been in the that top was 10. number two. So imagine if that had been Christmas number one. No, similar tack really. See the day by DC. Yeah, number ten. Well, that's still been hanging around. Okay, beyond that, there wasn't any Duran Duran out. Was uh, um, not in the top twenty. Although your favourite Spies Like Us by Paul McCartney was at 16. Oh, that should have been in the and, top and 10. And Wrapper Up by Elton John was at 20. I'm running out of inspiration now. Bruce Springsteen. Number 11. Number 11. Oh, with, huh, oh, Santa, oh. Huh. So my, my tally is still 7. We built this city. No, that is 12. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you're quite wrong way. Uh, one of them's, um, a, one of them's a duet. One, last guess. one of them's a duet between a very famous person and a not very famous person. So it's Peebo no. Bryson is the other person. No. And one of them's by an act which we've already had. One of them is a pointless answer by probably the biggest female pop star of all time. Right, that's going to be Madonna. It's not Gambler. It's not Angel. Dress you up. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. So how many have I got left? You've got two left. So one's a duet and one's an act we've already had. Did Easy Lover go back up the charts for some reason? No, right artist. That's the only duet I can think of. Oh, right. oh, uh, mm, Separate Lives. <laughs> Bill Collins and Marilyn Martin. Yes, yeah. Oh, what's the last one? Somebody we've already had. Blue Christmas 85 by Shaky. No, I tell you, number eight, I believe, was covered by Shane Ritchie. Oh, I'm your man! That's all ten. Oh, got there in the end. That's all ten. So, well done there. You know, sadly... Well done, me. Not making the chart (laughs) were Russians by Sting. This is strange <laughs> my cameo. And That's so fast. The Hokey Cokey by Black Lace. Sadly. <laughs> and I'll leave you with a number 35, which is That's What Friends Are For by Dan Warwick and Friends. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm doing when That's What Gonzo Friends Are For. So <laughs> it good. <laughs> Is that Christmas? Is that Christmas? Where went this? I was going to say before you sing any more. That's what friends are for. I'm going to terminate this here and now. That's enough, Ben. I'm going to say it's been a pleasure. Buy my book. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much for having me. It's been great fun revisiting these people and also Gary Clinton. channel with a big caption saying clangers expert more details timworthington.org okay mike we'll speak to you later because it's time now for some music oh music yes as we hear this year's top selling christmas hit it's christmas time again it's christmas time again whenever